Blog Talk Radio. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Beyond the Gate Radio. It's been a couple of months. We took a break. Now we're ready to start rolling once again. Thank you so much for joining us tonight, this Sunday, November 29, 2015 edition of Beyond the Gate Radio. I am your host, David Baker, and I'd like to bring in my co-host, Sherelle Baker. Sherelle, welcome to the show. How are you this evening? Thank you, David. I'm doing great this evening. Great to be back on the air. Happy holidays, everyone, and we hope that everyone is having a safe, wonderful holiday so far. How are you doing tonight? I'm doing uh, wonderful. There's no reason why I shouldn't, no matter what. So I like to stay in that spot, and I will. And the weather has changed, and instead of being dark at 9 p.m. or somewhere around there, it's 6 p.m. and it's been dark for a while. Well, that's the way the seasons change, I suppose, but that's okay. You know, you need to change the pace from time to time. But anyway, for any new listeners, or a reminder for our faithful listeners, including Nick French, who's one of our best listeners, Nick French, this is a shout-out to you. Thank you very much for listening. We hope you have a blessed holiday, sir. Our show, Beyond the Gate Radio, with myself and Sherell on each show, we feature experienced, interesting, and quality experts as our guests on varied topics, such as spirituality, the metaphysical, the paranormal, parapsychology, astrology, numerology, the tarot, energy healing, cryptozoology, spirit rescue, demonology, UFOs, and more. You will discover that our topics range from the familiar world of the known to the mysterious world of the unknown. On our show, we stay open-minded as we like to think outside the box. We do not judge anyone for their beliefs or belief system. We are here to educate and entertain you. We, as the presenters, are merely the purveyors of information. Feel free to call in, join our chat room, or just listen. Now, if you're ready, listen in and let us take you beyond the gate. And tonight's <laughs> guest is a, a repeat several-time guest, Kevin Schopel. Yay! An amazing person. As you remember... We've had him on a few times to discuss his amazing and unique, the truth about psychics and spiritual gifts. Well, tonight we're going to talk about his new book, Melanie, A Christian Medium's Life and Her Gifts of Spirit. His books have helped many, many people. You know, there's a lot of people of different faiths, and I'm sure besides helping Christians, it helped people of other faiths as well to show that somewhere that if they have a psychic ability or a mediumship or they're a healer or something, you know, they have a gift from God like that, that it's not wrong, it's not evil, you're not going against the grain, going against the creator or, or doing anything wrong. Kevin has proven over and over again in his uh, book, Truth About Psychics and Spiritual Gifts, it, uh, I just, I just can't say enough about it. It's just totally amazing. A lot of people really love the book. He has a new book now, and it's an amazing story about Melanie. This is just an example about one of those people who came to him looking up for answers since he's you know, a Bible teacher and 
deacon of a church and researcher, went, Kevin is an amazing person. And he actually helped uh, Melanie because she's a Christian medium and she was wondering about if she was doing things right or not. So Kevin Schopel was raised in a Southern Baptist, in Southern Baptist churches and began teaching the Bible in 1992. In 1999, he was ordained as a deacon by uh, Pima Street Baptist Church of Tucson, Arizona, and in 2006 was elected Adult Education Director of the church. His interest in psychics began in 1975 with a girlfriend who could predict the future. This relationship sparked his interest in social attitudes towards psychics, and in how psychic ability actually worked. He married his wife, Stana, also a psychic, in 1978. That's a long, wonderful marriage. Uh, that's, that's great. I love when people are married together for a long time and love each other. And continuing, in the mid-2000s, as paranormal-themed TV shows appeared, Kevin's students had questions about what the Bible really said about psychics and mediums. In 2010, he met Melanie Runyon, a medium in Kingman, Arizona. She, along with Stana, encouraged Kevin to write the Bible, The Truth About Psychics and Spiritual Gifts, which was published in 2013. He and Melanie remained close friends until her passing in March 2014. As a result of the book, which teaches how the Bible supports psychic and mediumship abilities as true spiritual gifts. Kevin has been the featured guest on several Internet talk shows, including previous Beyond the Gate radio shows. His book, his second book, Melanie, A Christian Medium's Life and Her Gifts of Spirit to Honor Melanie's Memory, was published in late 2015. Kevin lives near Tucson, Arizona, with his wife, Stana. And boy, has he got a lot of reaction from these books. Uh, first of all, I'd like to start by welcoming Kevin to the show. Happy holidays, and welcome, Kevin. Hey, thank you, David. Thank you, Sherelle, and uh, Merry Christmas to you as well, as we're already in that season. Thank you. Yes, we are in that season. That's right. Thank you very much for that, and Merry Christmas to you and Stana as well. That's right. Thank you so much, Sherelle. Now, Kevin, let's let's go back a little ways. Before we get to the current state that we're in. The current book. I yes, please. <laughs> which is the writing of your newest book. Let's let's like hit the refresh button just a little bit for new listeners and uh those that have listened to the show previously. You know, even myself, we all need just a little refresh here. Could you go back and just explain in your own words, what led you from the 1970s to the present time? What was your little path that inspired you to finally write this book? I mean, you're a Christian, and they they don't believe in these types of things, hoo-ha and whatever, and a lot of people don't know. They just believe what they're told. They see on a Christian website, this stuff is bad or whatever. But you actually said, wait a minute, something happened here. 
I'm going to dig in here deeper than the average person. And I'm going to go back a couple hundred years. And, you know, I mean, what happened, Kevin? <laughs> well, that was, I've, I know we've talked about this on probably on the ghost shows, but you've got some new listeners. And I'll be happy to fill it all in. What happened was in October of 1975, I fell in love with a girl, as you said in my bio there, that uh, she predicted the future. As I said it back then, she knew what was going to happen before it happened. Um, you know, she and I were at a church camp together on Mount Lemon, and we were just kind of looking down at the city lights sitting on a slab of cement together, and I just, for lack of what, what to say next to her, I said, I wonder who's winning the football game down there. And she said, I already know. And what it came about is kind of a strange discussion. She made a prediction when I said, well, what's going to happen when our two schools play each other? And I said, who's going to win then? And she said, neither one. I was so puzzled at that. And three weeks later, what actually happened was it was a tied game. They don't permit overtime in high school football. And so it, it wow. ended in a tie. It was the only one I'd seen in my four years of high school. And it just, you know, it, it told me that, you know, what she had was real. I was, I just had this amazed feeling, you know, and I still try to kind of get from other people, well, what was the, what was your reaction the first time you knew you were, you know, dating a psychic or had a friend that was a psychic? Well, mine was just complete amazement. How did she know? Uh, I asked her the next day, she said, I don't know. I just know. But she had a way of knowing, you know, who was calling on the phone without caller ID in 1975. Um, various things like that. She was very accurate in her predictions, and I still try to figure this all out. I wound up asking a couple of youth leaders in my church group. I said, what do you think of somebody who knows things that are going to happen before they happen? And they said, uh, I would stay away from that. Uh, and the other one said, it's, it's definitely not of God. Well, the thing was, she had received Jesus Christ as her Lord and Savior. In fact, I was there in the church when she attended her baptism. I had never seen anything evil about her. I thought, how can you say that this is evil and not of God? And I thought, maybe I need to reevaluate my beliefs. Well, Kevin, may I say so, Now, yes. she had that one hit, and it, it proved out to be true. You had empirical proof from it. There was no questioning that. And, and phone calls back then, it was just a dial phone. So there it is, and she knew who was calling. But was that enough for you to believe, or did you have to get more information, more psychic hits that of things she told you before you really started to get interesting, uh, interested in it? Or was it that the fact that that's the first time it's ever you've ever seen it in football that it was so amazing when it came true that that's what really sparked your investigation into it? Well, it's a little of both, because to me, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a mathematical person. I tend to think of what's the odds against this happening, and what I quickly assimilated my mind then is I thought, if there's 10 or 12 football games per season and there's four years of high school and it never happened, I said the odds against her doing that was about 50 to 1. You know, it would be similar to try to, to cut the age of space in a deck of cards. You know, roughly the same right. odds. Right. But at okay. the same time, I was still curious more about how does this work? How does she know? And sometimes I would just tease her. We were one time watch. I was at her house, and and it was just before our Christmas season, and I was going to be back and seeing my dad. 
and there was an advertisement for some of the New Year's Day bowl games, and she just happened to matter-of-factly say, um, I don't know, they watch them, they're all going to be an upset. And I said, "How would you, why would they be an upset? She said, because that's your birthday. You know, it was kind of one of those funny answers. Um, but then actually when it was my birthday, January 1st, I was at my father's, and, and I didn't know anything about the teams or whatever. I don't normally watch it, but I just kind of asked, you know, like who was favored in these games. Everyone was exactly, she said, an upset. And again, I kind of had to figure that even if it, it was the most basic, either one team wins or the other, there was still eight to one odds against that. And you multiply that against the fifty to one odds, you're you're looking at four hundred to one odds against these things happening by chance just there. And I'm not even including the phone calls or the times I was at the dog track or whether or any of the other things that happened, or you know the prediction that Jimmy Carter would be president. You know, <laughs> all of the you know. I would multiply these things together in my mind, so the odds against her being right all of these times by pure chance started really mounting up for me. Well, you know something? Uh, a lot of Christians that had those things come to them, they would not have bothered to look into it deeper like you. You must have a golden heart and an open mind because uh, a lot of them would have said, Oh man, you're being deceived by the devil to draw you in. They give you some true information, this and that. And I can tell you weren't buying that. You know, I think your what's your knowledge about God, Jesus Christ, and the Bible taught you that that couldn't be so if somebody's a Christian and allowed to do this. So I have a feeling that you said, well, you know what? Let me just check this out anyway. And when you did, did you find some amazing information? I did actually, and. Well, it had to start off when I was younger, you know, actually, first of all, saying, is the Bible really the Word of God or not? I won't get into that part for this show, but I did conclude that it was. Then from there, I had to say, okay, you know, why is it that Jesus and his disciples could do things? You know, like, for example, Peter told Ananias in Acts chapter 5, you know, you've not lied to men but to God. Well, how did he know? Um when it said in there that Jesus knew their thoughts and said, you know, why do you think such things? Is it easier for someone to say your sins are forgiven or to tell them to take the mat up and walk? You know, you had instances where Jesus knew thoughts. He predicted that he would die and rise again on the cross. I mean, it was a nail, a standing just to do that, but to predict it. He also knew, which you might say clairvoyantly, that Lazarus was already dead, and he timed it so he would arrive in Bethany four days afterwards. And I went over, of course, the fact that he went, he waited the four days to prove that he was Lord over life and death. But, you know, these things were in the Bible, and I thought, how can you sit in now in the 20th century and say that anybody who picks up thoughts, who's clairvoyant, who predicts the future, how can you now say it's all of the devil so summarily without checking it out. And indeed, the Bible encourages us to test the spirits, to That's right. you know, test everything. It's, it says in Thessalonians 5, 18 through 21, you know, do not despise prophesyings, but test everything. Hold on to the good, avoid every kind of evil. First John 4, 1 to 3, it says, Brothers, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see where they are of God. There is no way in the Bible, that it says, here's how you can summarily assume this is evil, or this is one way you'll know it's good. 
Uh, it does not say that. It says to test. And so the reality was, you know, my girlfriend Tammy had already professed Jesus Christ as her Lord and Savior. And that was the test in John 4, 1 to 3. It says, you know, any spirit that confesses that Christ has come in the flesh is of God. And, and, and whatever was in her, as her gift, she was still proclaiming that. So, again, this led me to the, the things that you have seen in my book where you take what I used to call the the, the five anti-medium verses, Leviticus 19, 18, 20, verse 6, Leviticus 20, 27, Deuteronomy 18 through 12, and Isaiah 8, 19. Every one of them, you know, seemed to say that God would set his face against you if you turn to mediums, uh, that mediums should be stoned, but that's only in the newer translations. I used to think, well, good grief. Uh, you know, I went to the uh, King James Version, and all five verses didn't use the word medium. They used a phrase called a person with a familiar spirit. And I first thought, well, maybe they just hadn't coined the word medium for the English language yet. But I found out after I looked at the actual definition of it that it pertained to a person who, a, a spirit who attends to, at a call. In other words, you're not going to have any contact with that spirit unless you call upon that spirit. You do something to try to invoke a response. And I was. I would say probably be, Melanie was the first real medium I did. I've known psychics ever since 1975, and of course, Stan, as you, you know, well said, is one. But I had not personally known a medium. I'd watched Alison Dubois, or rather Patricia Arquette playing Alison Dubois on TV, but that to me was not the same as knowing a medium firsthand and knowing what actually happens. That was when I met Melanie. And I discovered you know, there that, you know, she never did call upon a spirit. She had always been able to see and hear spirits since birth. Uh, sometimes she would get uh, no spirit coming. Sometimes it would be a spirit wanting another person. Sometimes it would be a spirit other than the one that the sitter expected. Um, but I never saw her once in the whole four years that she was here physically as my friend ever call once upon a spirit. And that, to me, said that uh, she is not the subject of these five verses in the Bible. And I know in you and I talking, the same holds true of you. You've never called upon a spirit, I believe. Correct, David? That's correct. When I do a reading and somebody requests that they want to speak to a certain person or relative on a reading, I always tell them that I don't call spirits. I'll open up to see who's there. If anybody comes or if nobody comes, whatever the case may be, I don't have a right. It's not ethical for me to do that. I'll just say if they know they're going to get a reading and the Spirit has a message, whomever, they'll show up voluntarily and give the message. I will never conjure or call upon any specific Spirit. That is not ethical to me. Correct. And one of the big things I mentioned in this newer book on Melanie is that one of the reasons that this myth keeps perpetuating about, you know, mediums being evil or psychics being evil is that a lot of them have never gotten the chance to see what a real medium does or what a real psychic does. They, 
that what I what I sort of a lot of times, you know, they are told, you know, by the pastors, um, you know, your adversary the devil, you know, like a roaring lion seeing who he may devour. And so they take it that if the church says it's evil, don't even come close to it. Don't even touch it. It's just like, you know, they treat it, they treat mediums and psychics like they're down power lines from a storm. And, you know, so don't even come close and touch it. So they don't get a chance to find out what you really do. And, and what they are now confused with is these people who do call upon spirits or people who are taught to do that, which are is disobedience towards God. They pick up these stories from people who actually sought to develop mediumship abilities that they were not innately born with or had an awakening for naturally. So they disobeyed God by calling upon spirits, and then when they got the consequences of this, you know, and it turned bad and sour, and they cry upon the name of Jesus, he delivers them, and they tell this story, this version, to their audiences, and they put them on the Christian shows, and they, and that's the only thing most Christians have ever heard, is what I, I, I've termed it a New Age refugee, somebody who disobeyed God and then ran from the consequences of the actions, and Christ delivered them. Yeah, but they never hear about you. They never hear about Melanie. They never hear about Tanya. They never hear about the others that you have had and known who do not call upon spirits, who have not disobeyed God, and who has brought good and comfort and guidance to people's lives. Yes, that's a very good point. Now, I'm not... No, if somebody wants to be a witch or a Wiccan or a Satanist, or play with the Ouija board, or whatever, and call upon spirit. You know what I mean? Uh, that's their business, okay? I'm not saying it's good. I'm not saying it's bad. You know, that's their belief system. I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to judge them because they don't judge me. So, you know, live and let live. But I will say this, from my knowledge over the years, that, you know, if you, for example... Let's just take, let's say, I'm not saying in a positive, working with elementals, nature, spirits, or whatever, but let's say in the negative, for example, if somebody conjures up a spirit and asks them to go do something to another person or do something for themselves for gain or something like that, do you think that spirit is, after they do it, is not going to come back and collect something from you? And that something is usually never good. It's not natural. It's unnatural. It's not safe. And I've heard of a lot of those people that have done that come to get an exorcism and quit what they were doing because they had no idea of the consequences. So that's just a little example of why people should not do that, you know, conjure up spirits for whatever reason at all. I, I you know, I do readings and, you know, uh, if spirit shows up, I'll give a reading, whoever has the most important message. And, and you mostly most of the time, the person they want to, to communicate with does show up. But I'm not going to ask them to do that because I have no right to communicate a spirit in another realm that might be busy doing something and interrupt something, who knows, maybe important, maybe not, and make them come. That is, that is not right. I have free will. They have free will. And I have to respect those rights, but I would never conjure up something because if you do, 
know there can be consequences, and I just don't want to go there. It's not necessary anyway. Right. And unfortunately, that's the thing is, and all the way up through pastors, church leaders, you know, they never told that difference. And this is one thing I make an emphasis of in, in the book on melody is that there is that difference. Um, you know, this is why these things keep being perpetuated. Um, it's just that, you know, that there's just a real lack of education. When I was in Saddlebrook doing a presentation there three weeks ago, um, and I said, you know, what is it that you can do if somebody, you know, condemns you, calls you, you know, a witch or whatever the case may be? And I said, well, the first thing I said is say, do you really know what I do? You know, and then from, they always say that, and then what proof do you have? They have no proof. They've done no research. They've never got a reading. They just, you know, go on a statement they've heard somewhere else, and, and then that's it. They're, they never have, they never seem to have the proof. Never do. Very true. And so the next thing I usually say, and this is very simple, you know, non-threatening response, I will say, you know, can you show me in the Bible where what I'm doing is wrong? And they really can't. I mean, if they were to go through those five verses I mentioned earlier, which I call anti-medium verses, Again, I would have to say, well, are you aware that in the King James Version, the term is a person with a familiar spirit? Do you know what that means? I would probably wager not one in a hundred will know that difference. And of course, you know, I, I define it, or I pull up the definition in my book, and that originally came from the 1828 Webster's, which was the closest to the dictionary of what they would have used in 1611 for choosing words in our English language to translate the Bible into. And so they chose person with a familiar spirit, somebody who calls upon spirits and spirits that attend to the call, and not at all where spirits have come to you naturally. As I said, even in, in that first book, you know, I mentioned this in Melanie, and I know it's true of you from having read The Spirit Garden, is that you both saw spirits at a younger age. You didn't decide you were going to call on a spirit. They were just there. That's correct. And, you know, your research, going to the older version of the Bible dictionary and so forth, that rings true to what the real meaning is. You know, now things get updated, translated, and is sometimes a little foggy. But when you go back to the original, you know, old Bible biblical explanations and Webster meetings before they were changed, you know, from the last century and, and before that, then you get to the core of what they really, really mean. And so it's very clear because they knew then they were not dummies. They're intelligent people back then, experienced people. I mean, I, I was just floored to see either finally somebody does something right they go back and do research from the past. And I was, you know, it sent uh, goosebumps up my <laughs> my back back of my neck when I read all the things that you did, the research you did, how thorough you were. I was totally impressed and amazed. And you've proven to me, even though I already believed it, a hundred times over it. Not only that, but you explained things that even I didn't understand that made sense. And even it made me, as an experienced medium, feel good, too. So thank you for that. I mean, wow. Quite welcome. One of the big disparities I had before I met Melanie was 
I would hear mediums talk about the other side, per se. Well, a Christian thinks it serves many times like, okay, if I pass from this life and I have Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior, I'm in heaven. If I don't, I'm in the lake of fire or hell. And so I could not seem to resolve this. For, and I thought, you know, how do you deal with this when a medium says, I'm, I've seen the other side, I've seen people in the past, and they can give the undeniable proof that their spirit is contactable. And so one day in October of 2010, I'd only known now in a over a month, I was sitting down to prepare a lesson on the subject of heaven for my class of chemistry. And one of the things I'll do many times, in fact, I did similar for a class I'm teaching this week, but I take a keyword like heaven, and I will actually look at every instance in which it's used in the Bible. Um, as I remember right, you know, when I pulled it up on BibleGateway.com, it said that there were 751 uses of the word heaven from Genesis to Revelation. I looked at all 751, and then I noticed something that caused me to look back at them again. And the fact was that it would say terms like the kingdom of heaven or the God who is in heaven or you know, they, but there was not one single verse that said that when you pass from this physical life that you're immediately in heaven. And I was just floored. I was 52 years old, and I'd never been told this. But the fact that I immediately go to heaven when I die cannot be substantiated biblically. In fact, it's just exactly the opposite. Jesus said in John 3, 3, the Nicodemus no one has gone into heaven except he who came down from heaven, that is, the Son of Man. A person could say, well, the second thing says that Elijah went to heaven. Well, how can you say that? Well, Jesus also said later, he said, you know, that John the Baptist was Elijah who is to come. So Elijah came down from heaven too as John the Baptist. And somebody said, well, you can't talk about reincarnation. Well, if Jesus said he's John the Baptist, that's fine with me. They both went to heaven. They both came down from heaven. There's no one else there. Plus, in Revelation chapter 20, you know, it says, the sea gave up the dead that were in them, and death and Hades. Hades was the Greek name for the place of the dead. Gave up the dead that were in them, but you do not read heaven gave up the dead that was in it. Or That's hell right. gave up the dead that was in it. That's right. You don't read that. And then I also read that three of Jesus' parables, which I won't tell now, but they are in my first book, all points of the fact that no one is separated in death in the other side, or Hades, or Sheol, which is what mediums call the other side, until the judgment. That's right. Now, my belief is a medium. This is something here and it's not a debate, this is a question. Yeah. When I see spirits, you know, from that went like into the light, you know, that's one type of reading. Then I see a heavier energy, a spirit that's here as what people would call a ghost, which is different than somebody that supposedly went through a tunnel across a bridge or whatever. They're still earthbound. They're, you know, here they're like one foot in our dimension and one foot in the astral plane. And I, you know, since I was brought up as a Roman Catholic, I was wondering, well, you know what? Could these ghosts, supposedly ghosts that are still here that people see in their houses and stuff, could they be like in a purgatory? Is that why they're stuck? Are they in, like in a purgatory until something gets revolved before they can move on? 
So what's your what's your opinion on that? Do you think, you know, when people say say they see a apparition or a ghost or have something that's you know? Well, can you get a little bit of a roundabout answer here, David? First of all, if you read John chapter one in the Bible, it says that Jesus was the light of the world. I believe it's in John one four, and when you see someone coming to the light, as you just told me. Uh, don't forget, a person that is on the other side, and a lot of churches will probably come down on me for saying this, but they have that opportunity to receive Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, even when they're in this place of the dead. Because in 1 Peter 3.18, it says Jesus was put to death in the flesh, but was made alive through the Spirit, through whom he went and preached to the spirits in prison who perished in the days of Noah. Jesus preached to spirits. For what? So that they would receive him as Lord and Savior. But you may not say that exactly, but that was the purpose of anything Jesus preached, was he preached the kingdom of heaven. And he preached repentance and coming into it. So why not, if he said, if he preached to spirits, that has to be what he preached. And we see in Ephesians 4, it says, when he ascended on high, he led captives in his train. So the fact is, a person can receive this. So when you see that someone is coming to the light, you're seeing the symbolic representations. I know mediums do see symbolisms of them receiving Jesus Christ in that place of the dead. Now there is when I when I was doing that fifth chapter of my original book, which I call Heaven Hell on the Other Side. I said, what about the parable of Lazarus and the rich people? In Luke chapter 16, I said, you know, it says in there that when the rich man died, he was in hell and in torment. Well, when I checked the Schofield Reference Bible, they said that the word hell was actually the word Hades. It had been a mistranslation uh, at that point. And it was referring to the place of death, and I said, that's still not good enough for me. Why is in the flames in there? I prayed about this. I thought, I'm going to get knocked to pieces over this one if I don't get this clarified. And I prayed about it. And I came to one day seeing in Matthew 22, the parable of the wedding feast. Now, the, the people are from the streets. They, it says that they're good and bad. So we know it's not heaven. Because Jesus even said, you know, unless your righteousness succeeds out of the Pharisees, you will not enter the kingdom of heaven. So we know this is not heaven yet. This is a place where... Like the a waiting room? Is, like a waiting room? Right. It's, it's kind of a waiting room that they're having a feast in, but, you know, the parable is that he has gone out into the streets to invite guests to a wedding because the, the invited guests all gave excuses why they could not come. So anyway, these people have arrived, and... There's, and at one point, he said, sees a person without a wedding garment. And he says, how did you get into here without a wedding garment? Well, the thing is, all these people came in off the street. So this person had to furnish it. And that, now, the only reason I know it's a symbol is some salvation is because in Isaiah 61, 12, it says, he has clothed me with garments of salvation. I don't normally take symbolism unless there's a biblical substantiation for it. So... These people receive a wedding garment, which is their salvation, the coming to the light that you often see. This person refused that garment. And it says, bind them in for terror and, and toss them into outer darkness where there'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth. 
It does not mention the flames, but in in one of the parables, I believe it's a parable of the tears, that Jesus alludes to the place where the fire is never quenched and there'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth. So it's the same place. It's a person that has actually come to that spot where they have refused that salvation. They've refused that coming to the light. And so it still is true that the other side, as you said, is, is, is a holding space until that it gives up the dead that are in it so that we are examined by the Lord. Well, that makes sense on some stories I've heard that somebody had near-death experience and they died for a couple of minutes on the operating table and they came back, but they had an extraordinary trip. They went through light. They saw I know, a tunnel or something. They saw an angel and it was bright and they met relatives and all that. And they, there's uh, like a gate or fence, you know, something symbolic that they said, you're not allowed to go into there. That's into heaven. You're not allowed to go into there. And you and, and uh, you need to go back. And then next thing you know, they're back in the body. So there is some barrier, even though they were in a beautiful light, they were not allowed to go past this specific barrier. And then if they were to live, of course, they had to come back. So could that also, you know, is that also a verification of what you're telling us? That that. That happened actually to a friend of mine who was an assistant pastor. He he went cold boil in the hospital at Northwest Hospital the night before I was supposed to visit him the next day in there. And when I got there to him, he said, you know, that he said he found himself in a stadium surrounded. You know, you know how he used to be. I think there was a time that we when you went to football games, they turn off the lights and everybody flicked their dick so you'd have lights around. Yeah. He said it was like that. He said. And a person met him in the middle, and he said, it's not your time, guy. I'm sending you back right now. Wow. That makes sense. Wow. And for some reason, I've been very fortunate enough to have actually known four people who had those, what you call near-death experiences, where they were actually clinically dead and came back. Uh, My own stepdad was one who did that. and, And he said that he got to a place where he met a person that said, you know, it's not your time yet. He wanted so much to stay. He got back, and he left notes all over his house. He says, if you find me here, do not resuscitate me. He would put notes, you know, in his bedroom, on the refrigerator, in the living room, or anywhere. If you find me, do not resuscitate me. He had a strong enough experience in that to know where he was headed. Wow. So I can... um understand that my um well my wife Cheryl actually passed away for a short time in bed with me and she met somebody and she said she had to get back she she wasn't ready to go and she came back and then I ended up taking to the emergency room and then years ago back in the 70s I actually drowned when I was in Hawaii and I see myself come out of my body and I saw a lot of things flash before me and I said, you know what? I, I feel great. I don't feel any pain. And I said, so this is what it feels like to, to drown. Because I didn't feel any pain when I drowned. I can feel the water coming in my lungs, and it didn't hurt or anything. And the next thing I was floating away from my body, but the light above and beans told me, that, you know, I told them that, you know, I got too much to do. It's too early. I can't go now. Next thing you know, I was back in my body, and I heard... Somebody told me to stop struggling, relax, and just calmly stroke up. And when I got to the surface, 
I spit out water and that backstroke to the shore and I sat there for like 25 minutes in shock. But I said, oh my gosh, you know, I mean, that's something you just don't forget. You know what I mean? I would certainly imagine. I, you know, I've never experienced or anything close to it myself and maybe not ready to ever wish to ascertain on myself, but uh, I've always been amazed at the experiences and the similarities in there of always a person saying, it's not your time. You need to go back. You know, they didn't always see a tunnel or lights or anything, but the similarity in each case was the actual person telling them, um, you need to go back. You know, it is not your time yet. And that makes sense because, you know, there's some books about those experiences out there. I have a bunch of them, including with children. And, uh, the gist of it, the idea that I got about it is those specific people perhaps needed to have that experience so they can push the reset button on the perspective of life, which was may have been negative or something, and, and now they're a new person and they're a better person, and now they believe and they're, they're trying to help other people. And, and some people have had their psychic abilities awakened or enhanced or something, when they come up, but the stories are amazing. Like somebody would say, uh, I had one other near-death experience when I was 14 or 15 years old that I had an accident and I got cut on my side and I was taken to the hospital and put under. And I could, uh, it was at 10 o'clock in the morning and I looked down and I can hear the doctors, nurses, see them working on me, cleaning me up and sewing me up and this and that. And saying that, oh, this poor kid, you know, you know, let's do this and do that for him and so forth. And then I woke up and it was 5 p.m. And I said, oh, my gosh, you know. <laughs> so that's, those are the only two times that I can recall something like that happens. But, you know, okay, if it's meant for me to stay and not come back, well, I haven't met anybody that's told me it's meant for them to stay because they all came back. So, <laughs> You see what I'm well, saying? Apostle Paul said, you know, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. He he went through a dialogue in Philippians chapter 1, if anybody gets revival down, and it says where he was torn between the desire to depart and be with Christ and staying, meaning that he would enrich and build the lives of others. Um, and, of course, though, these amazing experiences, to me, sometimes just on face value, is what a person needs, and this has been my own experience as well, the fact that it's scriptural. If you go to Isaiah 29, 13, and 14, it says, These people honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me, says the Lord. Therefore, I will astound them with wonder upon wonder, and the wisdom of the wise will vanish. In other words, he's talking about wondrous, amazing things that the wise people can't explain the things that you experience, the things that they experience when they have these near-death experiences, and why they come back with a deepened faith in these things. And, you know, in reality, over the years I've known psychics, many of them have a deeper, more convicting faith than many people who I've seen sit in a church for most of my life. I'm not saying that to shame them, but the psychics and mediums I've known have... Uh, have been astounded by what they've seen and experienced, and their faith is a reflection of that. I agree because I, I'm not just faithful. I'm beyond that. I'm not just, you know, a believer. I know. 
So if I know I believe, and I don't question, and you know that's that's what it's done for me, and I feel really good about that, and I feel safe and everything. And uh, having said that, okay, so Melanie was somebody that you met pretty much your first medium, and she gave you readings, and you, know, you never asked for a reading. You never did. They were just given yeah. to you, right? Yes, in fact, it was the very first one was actually a year and a half after I met her. Because you, you said it correctly, I, I never asked for a reading. And it's, you know, you, you had actually picked up on the anniversary of the date I avowed that to myself, strangely enough. But the, the fact was, I met her on the last day of August 2010. It was actually, that was the day she gave me a friend request. And it was on February 22nd, 2012, 18 months later, that the very first time that we were fiddling with a, you know, I, I got in a tablet and uh, there was a feature for Skype on there, and I thought, see how it worked. And we were in a conversation when, you know, the video screen came on for it, and I had positioned myself so that she would see the bookcase behind me instead of seeing the clutter. And the first thing she said was, she says, you know, your dad is glad to see you got that radio he gave you. And I, you know, at that moment, I brushed it off, said, yeah, he gave that to me back when he was 12 and going overseas. And it was a day later, I thought, wait a minute. I never told Melanie where I got anything in my office. I could have gotten that from the swap meet. I could have gotten it from an antique shop. Or if somebody gave it to me, it could have been my mom or an uncle or a grandma or anybody. But I said, she knew that my dad gave that radio to me. She had to have heard it from my dad. And then I, I asked her, I said, I wonder why he's now coming in your life. Is he here to criticize me for everything I've done or what? Oh. And she says, no. She said, he's just doing the opposite. She said, he wants to say that you outdid him in so many ways. He is very proud of you and how you've stayed with your wife all these years. You've been a dad to your son, Ryan. And I said, well, I was never as successful as that. She said, over there... The amount of money you have in your bank account, how big your house is, is of no consequence because they know about them that the love is the strongest vibration and is the most important thing of all. And that's what he's seen you give Stan and Ryan. You know, I was impressed that. Was by that was my first reading ever from, from her. That is awesome. She never visited your home. You never disclosed any information. Like we never visited each other's homes in the whole four years. We, we in fact, only physically got together nine times in the four years. And it was always at an in-between location. Like uh, we, we met in Sedona. We met several times in Florence or Coolidge. Uh, her, her sister lives in Florence, but she had friends and she grew up in Coolidge. She, we met one time in Tucson, and that was in at Lucky Wishbone, which is a fast food place here. Uh, we met in Phoenix, but we never were at each other's individual homes. Even the day of her, her passing, uh, we went straight to the Walpi Mountain Lodge. I never stopped by her residence in Kingman. Um, and of course, you know, what happened at the Walpi Mountain Lodge is, is a video on YouTube that anybody can watch of an orb that came about four minutes into my eulogy of her. That's amazing. 
Now I'd like to take this moment to tell people that, that you're listening to Beyond the Gate Radio. Please press the uh, follow button if you'd like to follow the shows and get all the uh, be notified when we have new shows. Secondly, we're on iTunes, so if you want to load down some of the shows that you might like on your iPhone when you're traveling or bored or something, you can listen to some amazing shows. Please do that. Uh, our guest tonight, Kevin Schopel, is the author of Truth About Psychics and Spiritual Gifts and his new book, Melanie, A Christian Medium's Life and Her Gifts of Spirit. And we will let you know, well, we've invited Kevin to be uh, a co-host for us for upcoming shows. And additionally, we're looking forward to, uh, in one and a half to two years from now, Kevin's third book, which he's going to write. And it's going to, he doesn't know yet, but that's what's going to happen now. So I'm giving him a reading right now. He's going to have book number three come out. And this book is going to be dynamic. Not that the other two books aren't. This one's going to be, because that'll be a place where Kevin feels that now I'm on the platform. Now I've got it. Now I've got to tell you this. So that's Kevin's book number three is going to come out, so stay tuned for that. Kevin, please tell us what your website is right now and how you can be contacted if people have questions. Well, I admit I don't update it very much, and basically it's www.bibleforpsychics.com. The reason I'd like to bring it up is because there's a uh, drop-down tab that says Read an Excerpt, and in there, you can read the first chapter of my first book, The Bible, The Truth About Psychics and Spiritual Gifts. Um, you can read, you know, my introduction, Melanie's Forward, and the entire first chapter of that book in which I discuss that part about a person with a familiar spirit versus a medium um, and the scriptures that I gave concerning that, all for free without even yet buying the book on Amazon. And by the way, I would like to make a mention on this, David. Uh, you may remember a couple of years ago at the time that Melanie was on your show with me in Standing Precious, uh, I did a deal with Kindle Direct Publishing, which is a branch of Amazon, to where I had that book originally on sale for five days afterwards at 99 cents. I set it up on Amazon today so that that book and this book, Melanie, A Christian Medium's Life and Her Gifts of Spirit, will both be on sale from December 1st to December 6th in their Kindle versions for 99 cents. So that anybody who's curious and just is tapped out after Black Friday and Cyber Monday, they only have to spend 99 cents to read this amazing, you know, two-book account. That's right. And I want to remind our listeners, 99 cents, you know, this is something positive, not bad. This is good. And... Well, Remember, Christmas is coming up. Yeah, and Christmas yeah. is coming up, too. So, hey, think about that, you know. In fact, I'm thinking about sending it to some people I know, too, including some of my relatives. So I think I'll do No, I've sent your other book to my friends and relatives, several copies, the hard copy. And I intend to do the same thing with the new one. I'm going to send some of your softcover books and Kindles to some people that I know. Because uh, they, you know, I think it would help them. And they love to read about things to that as well. So that would be uh, really amazing. Now, Melanie, you know, she was on our show before. And then we had a, after she passed away, we had a show uh, with her in her honor also. 
just let me know anytime you'd like me to play a portion of the show when Melanie was on our show in the past. Well, I think it'd be great. I believe the excerpt you're probably talking about is how she described how she came into contact with me from her her side of it, and I love listening to that. Uh, when I was doing the original tribute show, it was three months after her passing, and because, of course, I'm doing this by phone, I was hearing Melanie's voice in my phone for the first time since her passing, and Crackle got tears in my eyes. <laughs> I'm ready for it any time to hear that. Okay, and before I play that, uh, we've had guests on our show, Famous Psychic Twins, and they have somebody created a fan page for them of sorts, even though they have their own. This is another one. It's like a group. And that's where I met Kevin there a few years ago. And I was always, my radar was always up and my shields were up. Whenever somebody started quoting the Bible religion about what we do with this and that, and I started seeing Kevin's post, and I'm saying to myself, well, here we go again, what does he have to say? And I started looking at it, oh my God, Kevin's different than the other people. So I started reading more, and I started you know, making comments, and he did, and I saw what he said to other people. I said, you know what, Kevin's a really different person. And so that's how I, I got drawn into your energy, Kevin, because I said, wow, you're different. You know, this is a few years ago, and I said, whoa, this is great. You know, I, I really loved it. But so, yes, Melanie, I've, I've talked with her you know, on the show and messaged her and everything, and I was really shocked when she passed. But we had some strange conversations before she did. Uh, and, I, you know, it's personal and private, but pretty much uh, we started discussing death and things, and I saw some things that I didn't like, and then I just moved on because, you know, I do a lot of readings and see things, see things. And when I, uh, you know, it happened, I had a couple of psychic medium guests on my show, I was on their show, and they, I was going to have them on or whatever again, and unexpectedly they just passed away, and I was, oh my, you know, it's happened to me a few times, like, unbelievable. And it happened with Melanie, but no, thank God we have a recording of her when she was on the show, and we're going to play it now. Sherelle, do you see that recording on the switchboard there? I do. I'll play it now. Please do. All right. Was at a distance before, you know, in cases. Can Can I interrupt yes. real quick? Real quick. Sure. Um. I had, I'm trying to think whether it was a year or two years ago, an extremely dangerous surgery that the odds were not good. I made a phone call to Kevin, to Stana. Stana, am I going to make it through this surgery? You're going to make it through and you're going to be fine. Okay, that's all I need to hear. And I'm still here. <laughs> and That's and awesome. so she can do it even without, you know, um, you know, seeing in someone's eyes or touching or whatever. And I think that Stana, you and I had only met a couple times, you know, in person. Right. But there has been many times when I have been really ill and I have called and said, Stana, is it no? Not yet. And that's it, and then I start getting well, <laughs> because she is so good at it. 
Okay, I'll shut no. up now. No, that was <laughs> no, good. Melanie. That's I'm perfect. I'm glad you mentioned that. You know, you don't have to. Uh, I mean, it sure would be helpful if you're sitting there talking to somebody and get the reading. But no, you can do it from anywhere. Somebody yeah. asked me, well, how do you do your, your readings? You know, to the. Uh, I mean, you know, if you're on the phone with me and I'm in Europe, how, you know, how can you do this? And how does this stuff work? And I found that when we connect, my energy connects to them. And then they mention a friend to ask a question about the friend. They asked me, how did I know when I never saw a picture? They didn't tell me the friend's name or anything like that. Because now my energy is connected to him. Now as his thoughts go, asking the question to the friend, it automatically goes like a, a operator switchboard and connects to that unknown friend. You know what I mean? And um, yeah. so Stana can be, you know, sitting in the easy chair in the living room looking at her magazines, and suddenly she'll be relaxed and something will come to her. She'll feel urgency, or maybe you'll call her and ask her, yeah. and she's able to tap into it. That's the beauty of, of the gifts, of there these you gifts go. here. Okay. You know, it's really amazing. Okay. And speaking about Stana continuously, I would like to... Uh, to feel and sense things. Hmm. David, can I mention something again? This is Melanie. Sure. Um, something that I, I feel that people don't uh, understand is that different things can, can cause uh, psychic abilities, mediumship. Some can be birth. Some can be an accident. Uh, some can be hit by lightning. Uh, our house has been hit by lightning four times. Uh, let's see, a severe trauma, a brain injury, comas, electrical shock, uh, near near death, drowning, um, maybe cancer, maybe getting shocked or even, you know, lighting an electrical stove that will blow you across the room. There's different things that can start this. It just doesn't have to be, um, you know, born at birth. There's different things that can charge it off. So, like, let's say a woman is 30 years old and has never had any abilities, and, you know, she's in a uh, severe car accident, and all of a sudden she has abilities. Different things can set it off. So... I just I well, think it's important that you know. I, I've heard of that too. I really have. Now I'm wondering then if perhaps we were meant to do it and born with it, but it wasn't to be awakened until later. But perhaps it could have been blocked, or one of these calamities may have happened purposely to awaken these abilities to the person. What go. do you think? Does that make any sense? Yes. 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 Because we can't quite, we could, we do not have the knowledge, the capacity, or the comprehension to yeah. understand all the things that are, you know, from creation. We can't know mm -hmm. everything. So it just makes sense from what Kevin said and from what you said that perhaps this could be part of the answer. Yeah, part of the answer. All right, very good. 
that was amazing. It, it was just like as it was yesterday. She's never left us. Well, oh, I uh, agree. Before we now, it's time to get into the book. Before I do that, I just want to thank our listeners for listening. And this is not a show where we're doing readings, psychic readings, or anything like that. It's just about Kevin's two amazing books. Um, why a Christian can feel validated for being a medium if, you know, Jesus or Spirit has chosen them to be a medium instead of America's top idol, a famous artist or surgeon or president or something like that, that, you know, if we all have different gifts. And um, it's not evil. It's proven in the Bible that, you know, it's, some things are inherent in us as directed by the Creator. And so we came here to do certain things. So that's what it's all about. It's not about, you know, we're not doing any readings or anything like that. So I just want to make that clear so that we have a couple of callers on the line before we get into the new book. If we have some callers on the line that have a question, not a reading, but, you know, a question about the subject or would like to tell us something, please do. So, Sherelle, could you, we have, you know, somebody on the line or not? Is there anybody online that has a question? If not, let me know later when there is, okay, Sherelle? And so at this point, and for, there, I'd like a, to I'm right sorry, there's, there was a couple people that are on the line, but uh, I checked in with them and they're listening. Um, that's the only way that they can listen. So it's a way for them to listen to the show. So um, if anyone else comes on the line, I will uh, let you know. Okay, at this point, we've come on a long journey leading up to the second book, and that's Melanie, A Christian Medium's Life and Her Gifts of Spirit. Now, Kevin, what was there like a next step, or what happened? You know, why why is this book, why did you write the book? What happened? Just, just give, tell us. The biggest and most primary reason uh, other than the fact that it was a wish of Melanie's before she passed that I would get this book together, is that I wanted to be able to show that a medium or a psychic can definitely be a Christian as well. They can not only be a Christian, but they can serve the Lord Jesus Christ with that gift of mediumship just as much as any other spiritual gift that God gives us to serve him with. That's my primary reason um, one of my more secondary reasons was to also show, you know, much of the world, and I, mean, I think you would agree with this, that their stereotype of a medium is based a lot of times on either, you know, Alison Dubois, uh, Teresa Caputo, John Edwards. Um, they, or even Johnny know, Carson with that hat, with that, you know, with that turban in the car. <laughs> Johnny Carson. Yeah. A lot of people oh, still yeah. believe that. <laughs> That's, I just had to throw that in there, Kevin. Sorry. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I almost forgot that. But, yes, the thing is that, you know, they're not really you know, written or reading about a person who is an everyday person who has the same struggles, you know, you and I do, you know, having to budget, having to, you know, watch what they eat, what they do, you know, um, just, you know, the fact that, that that she was a very common sense down to earth person, she was very warm hearted. Um, I mentioned 
in the book, that I said, you know, that uh, she, you know, she had a heart of compassion for others, and she opened her home to people who had nowhere else to turn. She sometimes got burned in the process, you know. Uh, there was a woman that had no place to stay. Melanie let her stay there, and next thing she knew, her her uh, late daughter's cosmetics were ripped off. You know, these kind of things happen. I did not include them in the book because that's not what the people would want in the book. But I said I said that to illustrate what she followed. And I said this at her eulogy in, you know, in the Walpine Mountains. I said she did the things, the actions, that Christ wanted us to do for each other when he said it in Matthew 25, 34 to 40, you know, I was hungry and you gave me meat. I was thirsty, you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you took me in. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. And I was in prison and you came to me. And then he says, whenever you do these for the least of me, these my brothers, you do it for me. And I said, Melanie did do those things. She had the actions of a person who serves the Lord Jesus Christ. Um, I mentioned in there also that, you know, I said there was a time on Facebook, just during the time I was writing the book, that it said, you know, to the effect, you know, that, you know, God comforts you, guides you, directs you, um, you know, encourages you, uh, leads you, reassures you, and I put that in my group, and I added to that, I said, as I read this list, these said, these sounded like Melanie's traits, and I said, people would condemn her for just being a medium? You know, if somebody showed up at my door and asked for a glass of water, and uh, do you have a restroom? I said, I have a house, I must have a restroom, can I get a sandwich? And they're like, get out of here, you loser, you know, <laughs> I mean, Go go away, you know. Go back on the corner, like no. Come on in. I'll make you a sandwich, uh, and I'll give you, you know, something to drink. You may use my restroom, and I'll give you a couple of dollars to get me on your way. Why is that? Well, is it because I'm I'm a Christian by faith, and I believe in Jesus' love, and I believe in the in the tenets of the Christian Church, and so forth? No, it's beyond that. It's what's in the heart, you know, and everything. And I know Melanie was one of those special people that she doesn't judge anybody. She knew she wasn't anybody special. She was just being, uh, believing in the Lord and what his beliefs are, and that's the way she was, and that's the way it is. And, and you know, she was that type of person, wasn't she, Kevin? Absolutely. And one of the things I pointed out in the book when I talked about the spiritual gifts she had, I said, we know that she could communicate with spirits. I said, that was one. I said, we knew that she affected electronics, yes. We also know, too, that she could leave her body in astral travel, yes. But I said, there's two other things that everyone could say about Melanie, but they don't think of them as a spiritual gift. I said, one is the gift of encouragement, and the other is the gift of kindness. These are both stated in Romans chapter 12, verse 8. But I said, you just don't think of them as a spiritual gift, but they are. And she was exemplary, especially in the gift of encouragement when it came to me doing this book, well, doing the first book, and the second one, I can say that she was definitely still in a, a very present encouragement. You know, when I look at the mountain of work I had to do on this to keep me going and to, you know, really, you know, emphasize her closeness to me in doing this. I believe that, Kevin. I believe that she was there 
um, with you, guiding you too. I guess God chooses certain people for certain things. I'm wondering what, you know, I'm not a movie star, that'd be cool, but then when I look in the magazines to see how negative stuff can be really, it's not really all that good, and other things, why was I chosen to be a medium, you know, and then I don't know what, what, what's so special about me. All I know is that, you know, I'm honest, I'm true from the heart, and I really do care about others and I want to help them. I said, you know what, maybe our creator saw that in me and maybe decided that, you know, maybe I should be a medium or something. I, I, I still don't understand it to this day. I have an idea, but I don't understand it totally, but I trust it. Well, that's exactly the thing is you, you find various examples. Uh, the prophet Amos was a shepherd, and he didn't see any reason why he was chosen to be a prophet. David was so not considered king material that they had him watch the sheep while all of his brothers were there lined up before Samuel to see which one the Lord chose to be king. Wow. And it was none of them. And they said, are you sure this is all your sons? He says, now nah, we've got the little one out there in this, uh, out shepherding the sheep. He says, bring him here. And the Lord says, he's the chosen one. You also That's look right. at Jesus... He chose disciples who knew more about catching fish at night than they knew about preaching the gospel. But he called them to do that instead of going to the religious leaders of his time for the reasons of the heart, the very thing that you said earlier about what causes you to show kindness and mercy to people. He went to the people with that kind of heart, the heart for following him, a devoted heart, a loving heart, you know, and it's it's through and throughout Scripture. Uh, I like that, and that's a good example. Then, why would a lonely teenager like David, when everybody backed off, put a rock in the sling and stand up against a giant? Because he had God's faith behind him, and so it didn't matter if he's a kid or bigger than a giant. He was bigger than a giant in spirit, you know, spirituality, belief, and faith even though he was just a, a small teenager against this giant, and he won against the giant. And I'm thinking about, wow, uh, you're just watching sheep. You're enough, and you loser. You know, this man, what does it turn out to be? He was selected, and, you know, look at the the history now of what, what happened when he was chosen. You know, I mean, you know, people shouldn't judge a book by its cover, okay? Because God doesn't. And isn't that right? Absolutely. And what just kind of came to me is that it was no accident that your name is David. I mean, oh, me? that same heart. <laughs> yes, I'm talking about you oh, now, David. Thank you, Kevin. And when you think about it, it was his trust, his, his absolute trust in God that put, that he knew that he, God would get him through a situation that the odds were against him. And, you, you know, I, when I read the Spirit Garden, you were in the same situation. You faced uh, insurmountable odds, and you knew that God was going to get you through those things. Many times you cried out to him, and he delivered you. The same way that David of the Bible cried out to the Lord when he was afflicted or he was oppressed by the Philistines. You know, both of you did the same thing, and then you've got the testimony in your book. I think it's no accident that your name is David. Well, I, you know, I, I love Archangel Michael. You know, or Saint Michael, maybe you want to call him. And I know I and never had, after him too. Yes, I never had That's a chance right. to ask my father, but my name is David Michael Baker, and so 
you know, by the way, I don't bake, but I love to cook, so that's kind of funny, too. I can attest to that. (laughs) (laughs) But, yeah, you know what you said makes sense, and, uh, you know, I'm just shy about, you know, saying that I'm kind of a person. I just am who I am. You know, I mean, I just can't take credit for it. You know, credit is due from a higher power, (laughs) so to speak. And I totally agree because that's what I would do with all of my lessons. Uh, I will even say it right now. Any answers I've given here on Beyond the Gate, I give credit to the Lord for bringing the right answer to mind because it is Him. Uh, you know, Proverbs 16.1 says the plans of a man belong to the mind. Our plans of the mind belong to men, but the answer of the tongue is from the Lord. And I've said every time before I'm on a talk show, Lord, let the answer of my tongue come from you. Thank you. Thank you for that. Now, I want to, this I have to say. People listen to the show, don't think it's all, you know, quotes from the Bible and, you know, good examples of things that happen, this and that. But in the book, I read it, you know, I, I have the book on the way, but the transcript I've read. And it's really a journey with Melanie and, you know, her struggles and her questions, and her amazing abilities, and her connection with Kevin, and all that. So, in this book, Kevin shows uh, a life of somebody that he met, and how she went through this life, and some of the amazing things that happened, starting with, and I'll say it again, some of the amazing things that happened, starting with the meeting of Kevin, and I do believe in maybe some coincidences, but not everything is a coincidence. In this case, I believe it was meant to be. And so, Kevin, you know, you met her and ended up writing a book about her and telling her story because you were having some amazing experiences with her. She's the first you know, medium you met. And, you know, you never saw her before. And she told you stuff that, like, Maybe it's even beyond the first psychic person you met about the football game. I mean, how could this be? I mean, you know, so you had to tell a story. So tell us a little bit more, you know, without giving away the book, about the book and, and Melanie's journey. Well, one of the things that happened a month after I met her, and, and you know, the story's rather incredible, you know, how we met. She was looking for a channeling teacher. She reached out to Tanya Thomas, uh, who was in London, Ontario, there's no worldwide, you know, for her readings and her, you know, group group readings. But, you know, she said, is there a channeling teacher up in this area? For whatever reason that I still don't know to this day, she put her in touch with me. And I had to break the news to her. I said, you know, I'm not a channeling teacher. I'm a Bible teacher. And she pushed out, okay, here we go again. You know, and you, you have this in another audio segment of Melanie, but... But she proceeded to tell me about how she met up with a hospice minister and started, you know, relaying messages from her deceased son who was present with her. And I said, well, yeah, you're a medium. I said, that's a gift of God. And she, like, what? And I said, yeah. I said, Jesus went and preached to the spirits in prison, First Peter 3.18. He communicated with spirits. John 14.12 says... He who believes in me will do what I have been doing, and he will do greater things than these because I go to the Father. I said, if you put those things together, mediumship is a gift of God. Because Jesus Christ was psychic. 
and a medium. Yes, he, he had true. all that, right? Is that right? Or he, no? he had both. But you, you have, I counted up without duplications between the four Gospels, about 12 instances where it said Jesus knew what was going to happen to him, or Jesus read thoughts, or that Jesus knew what had happened somewhere, you know, and one example I gave in my first book was, I said, the amazing detail of how he told his disciples to prepare the Lord's, the, the Last Supper. I said, you're going to go into a town, into the city, immediately you're going to meet a man carrying a pitcher of water. He's going to lead you to a house where you are going to tell the homeowner where is the room that the teacher can have to separate his disciples. And I said, you add up the things of that are in there. You know, they don't know when they're going to arrive at the city. And what's the coincidence? They're going to meet up with a man carrying a jug of water amongst thousands of people. How do we know that this guy, he may start following him, isn't trying to give him the slip out of plain out fear, but no, he doesn't. And out of thousands of homes in Jerusalem, he leads him to a house where the homeowner doesn't say, you know, who's this teacher? I don't even know who you are. You know, get out of here. Instead, he actually leads him to an upper room, all prepared, not saying, well, here, you might have to set up the tables and chairs. You take the odds against every one of those things happening, and you're almost to a million to one odds. You know, that's the kind of ability Jesus had. You're right, he was fully psychic, but he, I don't call him gifted, I call him the giver. Okay. I'm born with psychic abilities, and I know a lot of stuff maybe above what other people might know or believe, but I can't know everything. Otherwise, you know, if I, before I came here, I, you know, don't know everything either then, but I know more than I do now. But now I'm blocked from certain stuff, and I'm only allowed to know certain things so I can complete my journey here and, you know, go through the school. Now, Jesus Christ was is a God, but he's in human form. He's just like us. However, you know, he had given him, he, he was given the tools that he needed to do what he had to do here. So that, that's really good, too. And, and you just explained that, and, and it's amazing. How could that possibly be? Now, I just want to, you know, I just have to, what do you think, have you ever, you talked about astral travel and remote viewing and this and that. Have you ever researched about past lives or anything? And do you believe in that? Well, Melanie and I had discussed that question once. And I told her, I said, the only biblical support of a past life is where Jesus said that John the Baptist was Elijah who was to come, which is mentioned in the fourth chapter of Malachi. So he's saying that, yes, Elijah lived again as John the Baptist. However, I says, there's two things in here that I said, I can't support it for all cases, because I said, the instances are far too unique. I said, Elijah was one of two people in the Bible, the other being Enoch in the book of Genesis, who never experienced physical death. Elijah was taken up in a chariot of fire in a whirlwind to heaven, and then he came down as John the Baptist. John the Baptist, on the other hand, had a life purpose that no one has had before or since, and that was to be a forerunner of Jesus' earthly ministry, to say, here's the one to believe on. I saw the Spirit descend on him. He is the Son of God. No one else has that unique 
purpose to their life that he had. He's the main man for sure, yes. I said, I won't dispute past lives. You know, it can't happen, but I said, I can't teach it because I can't biblically support it other than Elijah and John the Baptist. Well, this is where I come in. I've no, I always do. I've been doing research for years and doing this for years, and I've read in a few articles that you know, uh, reincarnation was accepted as as well as women priests were accepted, and the women priest part was changed, and you know, in a various way, and the uh, reincarnation part was eventually taken out of the Bible. You know, one of the books was just that part was removed. And uh, I did a, a psychic reading of somebody, and they wanted to know, and never asked me before, if somebody had passed away that was in the Civil War, they, but they passed away in 1870 or 1870-something. And I did the reading, and everybody said that, no, he's not there. He's back on Earth again as another person. That's, mm. one, that, that's one thing. And, and then uh, for me... I, I can really. I'm not going to take up the time telling you all the experiences I've had. But when I was uh, 17 in the military, I was in the army, and we went to uh, I was stationed in either Fort Shaw, Oklahoma, or Fort Riley, Kansas. I forget which. But we went to Abilene. We drove, you know, in the area in the back. See, I'm from California. We got mountains and water and this and that. Back there in the Midwest, it's flat, you know. And but the people are nice. Uh, for the most part, and uh, we went traveling to Abilene, and we were looking for uh, a specific, uh, I don't know, this thing that for the military people, USO or something. Uh, we were looking for something. We got there, yeah. we had the map, and the map ended. We didn't know the town, and we were on the main street of the town, old, you know, Abilene, and we were looking around, and we couldn't figure out how to get there. We could ask somebody, and they said, wait a minute. I know, and I don't know how I knew. I was 17. I had never been there before. And we walked three blocks that way, and we went two blocks to the left up, one block over and one block on the left. And on the left-hand side, this is it. I've been here before. And we found it just like that. And I, you know, years later, when I think about it, I was like, Holy moly, how did that, you know, I mean, there's no other explanation. I don't know how that happened. Could that be psychic or could it have been from a past life? I don't know, Kevin. I've been thinking and pondering about that for years. So this was you, not somebody you were with, that they gave this exact directions to this place. It was me. It just came in my head. And I can see the streets, not then, but how they were, you know, 140 years past something like that. I can see the, when I look, when I look, everything in front of my eyes, like I thought I was, something's going wrong with me. All I can see is dirt roads, boardwalks, buggies and horses, and that, you know, smoke came out of the chimneys and it was stinky and all that, and where the place was. And so I said, and we walked up there and found it, and then everything came back to the present again, and it's the same building, but it was just, you know, modernized a little bit, and I'm thinking, oh, my God. Because on the way there, on the way there, I saw, I said, look, somebody has, you know, we are driving, and I saw to the right, uh, in it, you know, there's nothing but 
flatlands and nothing out there. And I saw telegraph wires and wagons and stuff like that. And old-fashioned buildings. Just, oh, we got to stop by this, you know, this uh, tourist old western town on the way back, you know, when we came. So I marked it on the map. I wanted to see it. You know, I loved history. On the way back, we looked and looked and looked, and there was nothing there. So that's the second thing that happened to me on that same trip. And I'm still freaked out about it by this day. Yeah, there's there's several towns like that in Kansas that existed in the late 19th century, and there's nothing there but farmland today. I, I know, you know, the town my grandmother came to, Bainville, Kansas, is like that. Um, yes. <laughs> That's that's amazing. Well, anyway, I just thought I'd throw it in the pot since we're you know talking about interesting things. You know, you tell your story, I tell mine, and we come together and let the listeners judge. You know, what's really happening, and you know I, what I'm telling you is, I believe everything you said, but I don't understand everything that I experienced. That's why I'm, I'm asking you. I don't understand it. Maybe you might not either, but I just want to throw that out there. And you know, one thing I make a clear thing in, in in the book on you know, since we were on the subject of past lives, visions, and things, I said, just if you don't happen to find something in the Bible, does not mean it's evil. I'm and glad I'm you said that. About that. I'm glad you said that. I'm glad, and now tell us why. Well, I gave a, a very much of a prime example. I said, first of all, I says, you know, you, did you use a computer? Did you drive a car today? Did you talk on a phone? I says, every one of those things are not in the Bible. Did that make you evil? No. I said, first of all, Jesus said the things that come out of the heart is what defiles you, not what you see, what you hear, what you drink, what you eat, or anything like that. And again, too, you know, I read this into Melanie and, and how she had brought my dad through. And I says, now, would you consider that she changed my feelings towards my dad disinheriting me to where I was comforted, that I was happy, I was glad to hear that my dad outdid me? Or was you criticized for bringing through a spirit as a medium? Wow. That's deep. Yeah, this is in this is in this book. <laughs> so in the book, you've told some amazing things about Melanie, and she wanted you to help her do something, maybe write the book or something else. Some other amazing things happen. We're getting short on time, but I want you to talk more about Melanie in your book now. It's we just got to hear more without giving the book away, of course. <laughs> no, of course, of course not. The, but she was the one that predicted initially that I would write four books. And, you know, of course, you aligned with that when you said that I was going to have a third book out here, too. You know well. what? I never knew that. I never knew that. I just saw the next book right now. That's amazing. I mean, not about me, about her. Wow. Yeah. And even, and and she was the one that actually provided the title for this book before she passed, except that I added her name to it. But... Uh, one of the things that was astounding when I was going back through my material to find this, back in November at the, of 2013, we were at the Phoenix Psychic Fair, and a young man named Paul came up to Melanie and Stana. His wife was studying for the ministry. He wasn't sure what to believe. He wasn't sure if psychics were evil or anything. And his wife was pregnant. 
Melanie gave him a reading that was 100% right. He still had his doubts, so Stana gave him one of my books. And it was uh, after Melanie passed. You know, this is about April of uh, 2014, six months after I'd been in Phoenix when this happening. She said, in October 2010, in an actual message to me, she says, in the near future, I see someone giving their heart to the Lord because of your words. I see him on a tightrope between two buildings. This is not that means he's an acrobat, but it's a figure of speech. Also, I see the name Paul. Does this make sense? That is amazing. That is amazing. Now, you know, I we have some more callers on the switchboard. You're welcome to be in the switchboard to listen. And if we go beyond the recording, the broadcast time of the show, it'll she'll still... Well, sure, I'll be happy to. And, and uh, they, I'll, I'll... they'll be able to hear it still. So uh, we're not doing readings. We're just talking about Kevin's two books, The Truth About Psychics and Spiritual Gifts. And Melanie, a Christian medium's life and her gifts of spirit, which shows that if you're a Christian and you practice psychic and mediumship, it, 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 you're not going to be punished. So, Sheryl, you want to bring a couple of people on the switchboard in and see if they have a question about it? It's not going to be a reading. It's just a question about the book and the subject. Absolutely. Stand by. Sure. Hello. You're on Beyond the Gate Radio. How are you doing tonight? I'm well. Is this me? Yes. Who are we speaking with? Okay. Hey, my name is Jen. How are y'all? Hi, Jen. Welcome to the show. Where you? Where you Hello, from? Jen. I'm in North Carolina. Okay. Did you have a question for Kevin? Um. No, I just caught you guys like right at the at the very end and. I don't know. I just thought that when I, once I read over your little information section on uh, Blog Talk Radio, it sounded very interesting to me because obviously my um, belief as a Christian is very important to me, and you never hear this talked about. And That's right. You really don't. And for somebody who, you know, grows up with, different abilities, I think that we all have them, but are sensitive in different ways and struggle with sharing it or talking about it because there's such a stigma with it, but it truly is, um, I think, blessings and, and gifts that are given to you, which are echoed throughout the scripture, and um, I just have not heard this talked about yet. And so I can't believe I caught you guys in, like, the last 50 seconds because that's the first time I've ever heard of you guys. And I didn't really have a question. I just wanted to call and, like, give you kudos because this is an unspoken thing with Christian. And well, it takes I'm a happy to actually refer you to a few other well. things that you can actually read on and that you can actually hear more of this on. Um, I have mentioned uh, that I've been on three other of David's shows in which I discussed the points in this. Um, if you go to his website, mediumdavidb.com, uh, it'll take you to this show's archives. And it was October of 2013 I was first on discussing this. Also, 
Um, if you go to the website we mentioned in the show, BiblePsychics.com, you can read um, one chapter of the book without paying anything for it, and it will give you the basics of how the Bible has not condemned psychic and medium abilities. But more than that, I've also got a YouTube video um, in which I discussed for 28 minutes. It says, it says, does the Bible really condemn psychics? And it goes into these same well, things in uh, a little bit more depth. You so, don't yeah, have to you're, you're you know, it's a coincidence that I looked it up and saw it because I know it and personally and, and believe it. And um, I just it, I find it so fascinating that, some, that you guys are actually out talking about it. And I'll definitely look more into it and um, look at the information that's there within the the website. So I didn't have a question, but if there was anything maybe that you all might want to share with me, that would be great if you pick up on it. Yes, that you're not here by coincidence, that you were guided to be here by a higher power, of course, and that you will absorb the information and pass it on to others that will help them, because then you will say, well, see, I proved my point, and here it is, somebody else saying it, and I think that's what's going to happen, and then better things are going to come in the future from that. And I think it. I, no, without saying anything else, right now, that's what I see, and and it feels good, and, and you know, not for you, but for the people you're going to help. At the same time, helping yourself. Does that make any sense? Yeah, it does. Well, great. Thank you so much for tuning in here, and you can listen to the. You know, once the show is done, it'll be. Available on the archive, if you go to you know, Beyond Gate Radio on LockedOutRadio.com, you can listen to all the previous shows and look for ones with Kevin in it, Kevin Chopel, and you know, hear what he had to say. You know, we had a amazing uh, past few shows where one of the mediums that Kevin uh, met with, the first one they met with and had amazing things happen to him, uh, she's unfortunately passed away now. God bless her soul. But you know, we have a recording of her actually speaking. And you know, when you put all the pieces together and listen to the show, I think, you know what? It's going to make you feel good. You're going to probably tell some of your friends, you know, I'm not making any money off of this. I'm just doing it because I think the word needs to get out. And once they listen to it, you know, they tell you, yourself, hey, you're right, you know, and maybe they're, spread the information to other people because that's what we're here for. It's just to present information and let people decide for themselves and hopefully help and make a lot of people feel better. Right, and so with me just coming in on the um, tail end of it, because I know that the time has come to an end, I just wanted to make sure so that, that we're, or that at least I'm understanding what was written before I look into it um, more that, as far as being on the same page as being a Christian, you be, you believe in that Jesus Christ died on the cross to save us from our sins. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah, well, and that he was our only way to salvation. You're correct. I, I do believe that 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 he he made that sacrifice, and that's that's why we declare him as Lord and we follow him. And what's your favorite um, scripture verse? What's your go-to that 
I think my favorite one is uh, Hebrews 13.6, which is also Psalm 118.6 in the Old Testament recorded, which is, the Lord is on my side, I will not fear, what can men do to me? Yeah, that's a good one. Do you have a favorite New Testament one? Um, I had one of, one of the ones, and this is one I began my book with. It says, stir up the gift of God, which is in you through the laying of my, of my hands, for God did not give us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. That's 2 Timothy 1, 6, and 7. Well done, well done. All right, I am really glad that... Uh, I caught the little snippet of this on the last day, and I'll definitely uh, look you guys up. I'm, I'm really glad to hear that. Well, here's a helpful hint. If you are into Facebook, go to Facebook and make friends with Kevin Chopol. There's a photograph of him here on the show. And uh, he has a group about his books on Facebook, <clears throat> The Truth About Psychic and Spiritual Gifts, the group. And he welcomes everybody to come in and, and talk about it check out this book and everything. So, you know, if that's something right. you're, you're thinking about, we welcome you to do that. Thank you so much for calling. God bless you. Thank you. Have a good night. Thank you. Good night. Thank you, Jen. Good night. Now, Sherelle, we may have do we have somebody else on the uh, switchboard. Are we okay for right now? We're, We're okay. Re- We're okay for right now. Okay. Well, Kevin, no, uh, the even though the listeners now on the website are not listening to this, if they were to go back because it's now recording mode, if they were to go back and download the show or click on it to listen, you know later on, they'll be able to hear everything up to right now what we're talking about. You know the stuff that they were cut off from is still recorded, it's still saved. They'll be able to hear an entire show even if they go to iTunes or just listen it from my show page. Thank you, Kevin, for, you know, everything. You know, what can I say? Oh, you're quite welcome. One thing I'll just add, since they can hear this on the tape or the archive, is that if they're listening tomorrow on November 30th or December 1st, if they can still pick up either of my two books for 99 cents in Kindle all the way through the 6th of December. So that that offer's open to them, even if they're not hearing the show live. So go to Amazon.com. Yes. And type Put in, in my name. Yeah. Yeah, Kevin Schopel, and last name is S-C-H-O-E-P-P-E-L, and it'll bring up both of my books, and it's for the Kindle. It's not for the print version, but for the Kindle, they can order either book for 99 cents until the 6th of December so that they can understand what the Lord has actually said about them. And that's very important because... I can't even buy a hamburger and a soda and fries for that price, which is gone in five minutes. I mean, five minutes, really? And you offer for 99 cents in these hard economic times? Yeah. Something like that, that's even more important than, you know, missing a meal? I mean, what the heck? For that price, you can't lose, you know? So I encourage everybody, please check it out if you're, you know, interested in it. Or you have friends that are, and remember, once again, it's Christmas time. And if you have an extra dollar in your pocket, please do that. <laughs> Thank you, Kevin. It's always a pleasure. My gosh, this is a great show. I've enjoyed it. I really have. Um, you know, the funny thing that crossed my mind, you know, you, as I've said to you, is I've, as I begin to trust what comes into my thoughts, you know, when you were speaking, 
I thought, you need to say that he was not named David without a, as a coincidence. Because well, I felt very you. strongly that. When, when, when we were talking about David and Goliath and the faith that David had, it was just tell him that he was not, it was not coincidence that he was named David. Well, thank you for that. I heard something about me, not exactly the same, but similar from the Psychic Twins when they told me one day, and I was amazed. And then now that you're saying that, I'm even more amazed. <laughs> wow, thank you, Kevin. That's, no, I'm I'm going to validate what you just told me, okay? I'm just going to validate it <laughs> and leave it at that. And we got to yeah. talk, talk more, and you got to get to work on your next book, too. Need to do some more YouTube stuff and more things in Sedona, and you know you just you're gonna be busy, okay? Your your hands are gonna be busy for the future, and are also gonna work together. And let's see what where this journey takes us. Okay. Well, thank you both so very much for having me on tonight. My pleasure, and um, God bless Melanie, of course, and your wife Stana. And and yes. your son and everything and may you be blessed for the work you do. Thank you very much and we'll talk very soon. Okay, thank you so much again, David. My pleasure. Okay, good night. Thank you. Have a wonderful night and a wonderful good night. Thank you. Happy thank holidays. You so much. And hug Stana for us. Tell That's us right. Good hi. I sure will. All right. Merry Christmas too. Merry Christmas as well. Merry Christmas. Thank you. All right. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thank you, everybody, for listening to Beyond the Gate Radio. And this is our Sunday, November 29th, 2015 edition. Amazing show. And stay tuned for more. I haven't posted any more shows, but we do have guests and more shows coming. So please follow us on the show button if you like. And we're also on Facebook. Facebook.com slash Beyond the Gate Radio or David and Baker. And good night, everybody. Thank you for joining us and hope everybody has a great weekend. Good night, David. Good night, Sherelle. Good night, all of our listeners.